brothers and sisters. Welcome to the eighth episode of Rack's Fur and Feathers. Today it was just us dudes. It was just me, Ray, Adam, and we talked a little everything. A little bear hunting, a little mushroom hunting, a little fly fishing. We had a great time. Um, I think you guys are going to pull a little bit of something out of this too. So, without further ado, here we go. Episode 8, people. So, you brought this little turkey thing back with you, huh? Yeah, I figured it'd be easier to talk about it if we had it right here in front of us. So, What we are talking about is me, Adam, and Ray yesterday went out shed hunting out behind Ray's house. And we found a turkey leg with the spur on it. Uh, that'd be what, the femur? I think so, yeah. It's uh, pretty cool, man. I've never seen a spur actually on the bone like that down to the bone so we picked it up i didn't really know what it was at first i thought what the hell is this little like a little antler growing on the side of a bone and then i realized it was a turkey leg and probably the result of coyote yeah drug it off it was kind of by a swampy area that's where they like to hang out so i'm hoping you guys listening have been out looking for some sheds um the weather's been perfect for it, man. All the snow's gone now. We actually have seen some sunshine for a while. Yeah, what was it, two weeks ago we got all that rain? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, first we had all the snow, and then we had a shit ton of rain right? <laughs> while <laughs> the snow was melting, so everybody was underwater there for a minute. <laughs> now it's finally kind of leveled out a little bit, yeah, dried what, out. Yeah, it seems like we always have like a like a permacloud from like November to April, Yeah. end of April. Yeah, that winter. <laughs> it's, it's like you never see the sun man it gets a little depressing but it's been nice the last couple of days yesterday it was like mid 40s yeah it was perfect uh, a little chilly right first thing in the morning um, but by the end of the day I think it got up to 45 or 46 something like that and the sun shined all day it was just perfect beautiful. day to go out for a walk looking for some sheds man a good day to spend some time in the woods we didn't find any all we found yeah. was that turkey but <laughs> it was still a good walk it was too bad we had to cut it short right right yeah you uh you you've have found sheds out here before though. You found that. I have, yeah. When of course when I wasn't looking for them, I was just right. out for a walk and like, oh shit, what is that? I'd walk under a tree and they were actually both sitting there. Matching set. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, those are hard to find. We were actually just watching a video of a mule deer dropping its set. Oh yeah. Both yeah, of both of at the same time. He was running away and they got it on camera. It was pretty sweet. That's cool. It'd be yeah. cool to see. I I wouldn't think that's, you know, how hard do you have to work to catch that little ten or fifteen seconds. You know, on film. Like, yeah, they slowed it down and watched it fall off. It was pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it's a perfect, perfect, perfect weather. Get out, grab your kid, just go for a walk in the woods. It's a good, good opportunity to do some scouting too. Right. Um, we noticed a couple of heavy runs that, um, you know, you get it, it's it's a good because if you bump them, no big deal. Right. Yeah. There's no no need to worry about you know, um, spooking them off this time of year. You know, there's no hunting season. Um, the most you're gonna do is inconvenience them. So, right. And, you know, get a glimpse of it yourself. It's pretty cool to see a deer in the wild. Just, you know, you don't have to hunt for him to appreciate seeing them. Right. So. And you could see a lot of old sign too. Like we ran oh, across yeah. a lot of old scrapes, old rubs. So, you know, where them bucks are hanging out, where, Absolutely. you know, a, a place where you normally wouldn't go walking during the season. It, you know, it's kind of cool to get in there afterwards. But like, oh, all right. You know, they've been. Yeah. Yeah. It helps to uh, kind of get a better idea about where they're moving through. Especially in a new area that you're not used to. Absolutely. You know. But you, you've been hunting out here for two years, but yep. we're still kind of getting an idea where they're moving, oh, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's my favorite time to be in the woods just in general because there's no bugs. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, not, no, it's not too goddamn hot, and you can see. No flies, no mosquitoes. Uh, there's no not, leaves on the trees. So exactly, can, yeah. There's no vegetation in your way. Um, 
it's early enough that a lot of the plants haven't started to regrow yet so everything's kind of bare and you just get sort of a good naked view of the woods um well it's very much alive still it just hasn't fully blossomed into what it's going to be in the spring or in the summer right and it's a good opportunity what i like to do is you know i, I readjust the straps on my stand yeah or, you know loosen it up and right. i usually do that twice i'll do it in the spring and then do it you know just before the season because the tree's going to grow a little bit obviously during spring and summer but to cut cut your lanes it's a lot easier to see oh yeah um where you want to cut your new shooting lanes or if you want to change something up in your stand turn your stand um right it's it's easier to trim a branch that's not covered in leaves you know exactly it's a lot easier to see where it's going what you're doing you know you could cut it back a little bit farther give it room to grow out in the summer and still leave yourself a pretty fantastic shooting lane you know if you anticipate the way that it's going to grow right right and you know being out there with it's it's great to bring your kids out because you're not trying to be quiet you're not trying to yeah you know pursue anything you're just kind of going for a walk and And you never know what you're going to see I mean, it's always, you know, something new, something exciting. Like There's that always, turkey leg, that thing was cool, man. Yeah, unique things that, that you're not going to find just sitting on the couch or, you know, sitting in your chair staring at a computer screen. Um, you know, it's a good activity. It gets you outside a little bit, get some fresh air. And One thing I did notice from uh, the difference in you from today than yesterday is Mr. Mustachio <laughs> hey. has a curl in his stash now. Yeah, it took about three Fucking months, a, but man. it finally got long enough again to to curl it up a little bit so i like it he's back it's all yeah i was looking through my phone earlier like that doe i shot this year and a fucking mustache is like halfway up my face <laughs> i forget how big it was then but it uh i'm happy it's back so what what made you decide to grow a mustache like that um honestly boredom i <laughs> facial hair boredom yeah well I got laid off in the winter, as I do. I work at a gravel pit, so in the wintertime, we don't do a whole lot, and I usually get a couple weeks off. Um, Because I had the time off, I didn't worry about going anywhere, trying to impress anybody. I just didn't shave for, like, uh, probably two or three months. By the end of it, I had a pretty grizzly-looking face. uh, (laughs) Not really a beard to speak of. A little patchy. Yeah. Yeah, I got a baseball beard. I got nine hairs on each side. Joe Joe Dute. (laughs) Yeah. my family's not known for growing facial hair necessarily, so uh, yeah, I just I ended up with with quite the mustache, which I never could grow coming up in high school or even like in my early twenties. I had a hell of a time. And the only thing I could ever grow is this little cookie duster here under the lip, and uh, <clears throat> so I just happened to have it long enough that I decided to fuck around with it. When I was staring at myself in the mirror, I was just. Gave it a twist one night and curled up one side, and I thought, oh, that's all right. You know, see if I can do it to the other side. And it's it's a it's pain different. in the ass. Yeah, it really is. But uh, once you get it, I guess once it kind of learns. It learns? <laughs> yeah, it, you have to train, train it, it, right? So <laughs> That's hilarious. It, uh, it takes a lot, of, a lot of time looking in the mirror. What's, it's awesome because every time somebody's at the house, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm doing the show with Adam. You right. Know, Who's Adam? I'm like, oh, he's the guy with the mustache, remember? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that a lot when I shave for that first week. You know, I'd go to like uh, the liquor store or whatever, and I'd walk in and they'd card me. I'd be like, hey, you guys see me all the time. I just used to have a really big mustache. And the look on their face when they, you know, put together, they're used to seeing me with this giant curl, you know whatever and i guess that sort of became what people known me for so yeah 
Fucking hey, man. Well, we had a good time yesterday. But <laughs> one thing we were we were talking about in the morning, though, I was I was telling Ray about how uh how much different it is down here as as opposed to in Baldwin where we hunt. Yeah. In the mornings when the sun comes up, like down here, <clears throat> there's so many species of birds. Okay. That when the sun comes up, it's just it's. It's chatter like a, everywhere you a know chorus even with all the noise pollution from the cars and, and you know highways or whatever it's still so loud up there it's like the sun comes up nothing yeah dead quiet there's yeah. no, there's no cars no noise pollution or birds right i thought that was really strange and, and another thing i noticed is there's a lot of black black phase gray squirrels black squirrels are not their own species of squirrel correct yeah a lot, a lot of, of people, people get that confused like to talk about squirrels there's a fox squirrel and there's a gray squirrel there's a black squirrel and there's a red squirrel and there's not actually a difference between the black and the gray squirrel other than it's the color phase color phase exactly. so a black squirrel is actually a gray squirrel that just is in a, a darker color cycle Right, so, just like you would see a black coyote, or occasionally right. you see a black deer with like a melon, melon, something or other, melanic. You know what I'm talking I about? I don't know it. No, I've seen it posted online. I, it, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a word for it, but, uh, um, yeah. And, and another difference between down here and up there is the size too. Right. Those black squirrels up there, man, look like fucking black bear cubs. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting in my. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. They're huge, you know. And I, I have a, I, I think that's got a lot to do with uh, Bergman's principle, which is mammals tend to be larger on the northern fringe of their territory. Okay. Um, heat dissipation, you know, just they, t- they tend to be large. You know, every, you hear about all these huge deer up in Alberta, for instance. They grow a lot bigger, um, on the edge of their traditional territory, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's colder. Right. So they're you know, bigger. I would imagine that there's probably less competition in those areas. The deer that do live up there probably do better because not as many deer could survive in that area. You know, yeah, like what well, we were talking with Popsy about the deer that migrate. And right. We said that you know the ones I see from the Porkies coming down, they they're they're just a bigger animal. I mean, they, right. Like noticeable difference. They're just they're huge. <clears throat> And you know the thing with like uh like ears too like the the woolly mammoths had tiny little ears, and then and then the elephants have big old fat ears right. and like uh, mule deer have, on the southern fringe of their territory tend to have larger ears. Okay. So, yeah, so that's got something to do with heat dissipation. Um, that doesn't really apply to the squirrels other than, <laughs> but <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I just, it, it's it's nuts. I just it makes me curious like what it would it would sound like down here. You know, if you can get to a spot where there wasn't as much noise pollution and. It doesn't really matter where you go down here in Southwest Michigan. You're gonna you're gonna catch some highway noise. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of a uh, lot of roads and a lot of traffic. Um, but it's like being in the woods first thing in the morning. You know, you you tend to hear a lot more of those birds. And it's it's the blue jays, the cardinals, um, the songbirds, the robins. Sometimes um, not so much in the winter time. Sparrows. Um, what are the other birds? Like finches or starlings, things like that. Those are more of a summer bird. But we have a lot more uh, diversity down here, I'd say, as opposed to what they have up north, but they probably have... Why do you think that is? I would guess climate, maybe. I don't know. Just Agriculture? Because I know, like, up by yeah. Baldwin, there's not a whole... There's, you don't see cornfields or right. fields. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more forest. Yeah, well, on the way there, like, I think it's right around the Grand Rapids area, you see a lot of fruit uh, orchards, apple orchards. Yeah. But up by Baldwin, I don't... I don't I don't think there's really much of anything up there. I think the majority of their diet is just, uh, you know, acorns. <clears throat> and that might be why there's not as many birds up there. You know, the conditions aren't ideal for them to thrive like they are down here. 
we have a lot more agriculture. Um, even just small, you know, backyard gardens, things like that. Well, how many people feed birds? You know, I mean, well, yeah, bird that's feeders true everywhere. too. Yeah. Huh. That's that, that's that's crazy. And we were talking <clears throat> while we were on our uh, little adventure yesterday. Yeah. We were talking about your blackbird hunt. Yeah. Um, wh- where was that at again? In Nipigon, Ontario. And you said that was a. Uh, uh, what was the outfitter that it did was that? through uh nipigon river outfitters um and the guy's name is bob bearman ironically uh he runs like a, a hotel basically in the town of nipigon um and he manages uh, a couple bait sites on some state land um that he you know give the man some money he shows you where to go and what to do and you go bear hunting um so, so it's it's not like he's sitting there with you, like no, holding actually, your hand the entire time. The most he did for us was tell us that we could use some of the pre-mixed bait that he had, um, and we actually brought uh, like five or six cardboard fifty-five gallon drums of like day-old donuts. Um, my grandpa spent most of the summer picking up donuts from the dumpster at like Krispy Kreme <laughs> and places like that. Yeah, it was. What did you work out a deal with them? Uh, yeah, they basically <laughs> just gave him all the old donuts because yeah. he told them that he could use them for bear bait, and they said, "Sure, take as many as you want." You know, so he did, and uh, we got to help him load in like August. Um, just disgusting amounts of sweet, heavy, uh, sugary puts you in a diabetic coma. Oh my god! <laughs> and it stank so bad. <laughs> they love that shit. They do. Yeah. Well, we found out when we got up there that. It actually, um, the bait that we brought, they were less interested in because they weren't exposed to it. The bait that he was using was like a mixture of like uh, trail mix, uh, cake frosting, um, granola, maybe some peanuts or something. Uh, just, And they were more interested in what he was offering because that's just what they were used to. We put the stuff that we brought in the bait barrels, and it seemed like the bears... Like it spooked them a bit? Yeah, like they just weren't used to it, so they didn't come into it. Um, do, you know, deer tend to do that, too, I've noticed. Because um, yeah. we used to go to the feed mill here in town, and we get a... It's like <clears throat> like a like a fruit powder. I think they use it for hogs on some of their feed. Okay. I, I don't, I don't, don't ask me why. But you get it in this, like... Uh, it it come in, like, a one-pound butcher paper-type bag. Okay. And we just sprinkle a little bit on our corn if we started baiting like a new spot, or if you know just just because every like opening morning or something, right? We just, just drop a little bit just to put the smell out. We thought it would bring them in, mm-hmm. but every deer that always came in after we did that it was sketchy as shit. Like it was like, what is going on? Like Something's it, not right. Yeah, it could tell that there was something kind of different to it. Um, right. So we obviously quit doing it. <laughs> actually, halfway through the week that we were up there. My brother quit using the donuts that we brought and actually got some of the food from the outfitter himself. But it was like a half hour drive just to get back to the hotel where he was. Um, my grandpa had been up there before. He'd never gone through this guy before. Um, so it was kind of a new experience for the three of us. But it was really cool. Um, he put us in contact with a man that had um, a cabin back in the middle of the state land. Um, don't ask me how I it it was nuts basically you drive down a two track for like 20 25 minutes in four wheel drive because you had to have it and when you got back to this little clearing in the woods where there was like a stick built cabin um not much bigger than this room and that's where we stayed for the week 
isolated, you know, if anything happened to us, we were basically screwed. Right. Our cell phones didn't work up there. Um, the most you could use them for was like a, a clock or a compass. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. Everybody uh, filled their tag? No, actually, I'm the only one that ended up filling my tag, and it's funny. You said you filled it pretty quick, too, right? Yeah, the first night. Um, I'd never been bear hunting before, so the first bear that came into the uh, bait barrel, I realized was big enough to shoot because it stood up and it was taller than the 55-gallon drum. And I thought, well, there's my bear. Um, now, be, be, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just <clears throat> no, before we go into that, um, we should probably, you can't shoot, you said, a wet sow. Right. You're not allowed to hunt um, and harvest a mother with cubs. Right. So you can, you can shoot a sow, but she, can, she can't have cubs. With right. Her. Yeah. You can shoot a female, but it can't be a female that has cubs with her. Or basically. Male. Yeah. And you, any size. Yep. Yep. There's no, no size limit. You can shoot a bear to, you can shoot a cub if you want to, which nobody's going to do, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people do. Right. Um, I, yeah. I didn't, uh, mine wasn't a big bear, but it, it was definitely not a cub still. So, right. um, and well, 55 gallon drum and it's, it was, it was a good size. It was probably 150, 170 pounds, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, Probably a first-year bear, I'd say. And yeah, and you never shot a bear before, so. I'd never been bear hunting. Yeah, I never shot a bear. Um, so I was happy just to fill my tag. I was going to say, I, I'm, I doubt you were being very picky. No, 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 no. Um, and it's funny because my grandpa and my brother were with me. They gave me a hard time about it all the way up until the end of the week when neither one of them filled their tag, and I was the only one going home with a bear. And I said, well, you know, you say it's a small bear if you want to, but it's a bear. Well, you know, there, there's an old saying, don't pass on something the first day that you'd be happy to have on the last exactly. day. And they got to, uh, <laughs> they got to, to learn that lesson the hard way that time. So right. yeah, Ethan learned his lesson the hard way this year <laughs> with deer hunting. So, um, yeah, so <clears throat> we were talking to a guy last night, um, at this gun raffle we went to, uh -huh. um, he's a taxidermist. And he was he was talking about he found a special trick for uh, um, for bear skulls. Yeah. He, he was talking about how fatty they were. Right. And he said what he does is he boils them in water and Dawn dish soap. He okay. said once he figured that out, he, you know, for European mounts. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, it just made me curious. Did, did you do your bear skull or what did what did you did you do anything with it? I actually yeah I got the the European mount at my house. Um, I had Bud Ramped. Um, classical taxidermy just a couple houses down from where I live on Lake Street there um, he did mine for me and uh, it was like 130 bucks you put it on a real nice uh, oak stand um, you know European mount looks good did you skin it out before that or you just did I did the um, no I, I took the uh, the skin off of it when we butchered it up there at the camp um, because I had a whole week after I killed my bear to actually not do anything, you know, I was done hunting, I had the time to cut my bear up. So I pretty much processed it myself up there and just took back bags of meat already cleaned up. Um, so I skinned it myself and I had intentions of making a bear skin rug with it. That didn't actually happen, unfortunately, um, because of conditions that were out of my control at the time. I ended up taking it to my mom's house. She had a deep freeze that she put it in. And throughout the course of my stepdad doing some construction work at the house and just the fact that she wanted to thaw out her deep freeze, my bear skin got frozen, thawed out, frozen again, thawed out, and then frozen again. So by the time it got to the taxidermist, it was ruined. 
that's why I had basically settled for a European mount because that's the only thing I could get out of it, out of the whole cape and head and everything else. So, Was there any trouble? <clears throat> this was in Canada. So was there any issues bringing anything back over the border or they didn't even bother? No, actually coming back into America was the smoothest, um, easiest, most comfortable process there was. Getting into Canada was tough. With the um, weapons? With the weapons and just with the... Uh, border guards being dicks basically um oh really yeah we everybody in canada first of all is just super nice everybody up there is anything you ever heard about canadians being the most friendly people on the planet is true oh yeah i spent some time in windsor when yeah they're they're most the most friendly helpful people there are the people that work for the border patrol apparently are not canadians or just (laughs) (laughs) some special breed of asshole Really? Um, yeah. We pull up to the little, it's like going into a state park, sort of, where you come up to like a, a guard shack, basically. And you could either just pass right by it, you know, tell them what you're there for, what you're doing, get through and be cool. Or they can decide to ask you to pull up into a little special parking area <laughs> where they get to check out your shit. That's what happened to us. Um, <clears throat> I was driving my truck. We were pulling a trailer with two four-wheelers, like five or six 55-gallon drums of uh, donuts. And, like, <laughs> you know, all our camping stuff, our tents and um, our, the canopy that we used, um, just cans of gas, things like that, stuff you normally take with you. Um, so we pull up to the thing, and the guy says, you know, welcome to Canada. What are you guys doing? Where are you going? We tell him that we're bear hunting. And the guy looks at and sees our trailer and goes, well, what's in those 55-gallon drums? My grandpa goes, uh, donuts for bears. And he said, is the food fit for human consumption? And my grandpa goes, no, not really, because they're garbage donuts. Like, people wouldn't eat it. And he goes, the, the border guy goes, we don't want anything on our soil that's not fit for human consumption. So uh, I have a problem with you guys bringing that stuff in, basically. Go ahead and pull up here into this little area, and we'll check you out. You guys got guns, too. We said, yeah, we're going bear hunting. Of course, we got guns. Well, we'll have to check them out, too. Do you have the proper paperwork for it? And we didn't know that you had to fill out a form to get a gun from America into Canada. Um, not that it would have been a problem. Well, is it, does it make a difference <clears throat> if it's a, a pistol or a rifle? I'm pretty sure pistols are illegal in Canada. So oh, would, really? I yeah, it would definitely make a difference. Um, I don't think you can have handguns up there. Um, so, basically, they just want to check, like, registration numbers, um, make, model, make sure it's not stolen. Oh, okay. So. Make sure you're not um, bringing a fully yeah, they, automatic. Right. <laughs> so, they took us in, and they weren't as bad as they could have been. I guess they could have decided just to search my entire truck and trailer, top to bottom, in and out, if they wanted to. But, you know, it, it was my grandpa with two of his grandkids going on a bear hunt. We're not going up there to, like smuggle drugs or whatever you know do illegal shits um so they they gave us a hard time there uh kept us for about 45 minutes uh gave us a bunch of questions and shit and then after we paid like 25 bucks a piece to get our guns into canada Mm -hmm. they let us go on our way and the rest of the trip was great um coming back into america all they asked me because I had a bear, I had to declare that I had killed a bear and they, I had to fill out a form, uh, sign a piece of paper. I don't even think I had to pay anything for it. Um, 
I just told them I had it. They said, cool, check my tags, let us go. Now, after you harvested the bear, did they <clears throat> make you check it in anywhere? Like a Canadian version of a DNR check station or anything? Um, I, Technically, I think that we were supposed to bring it back to the outfitter, and he was supposed to pull a tooth out of the bear um, to see how old it was, you know, all the, all the information they learned from the teeth. Um, because you do have to fill out a form at the end of your hunting trip. You have to report to the outfitter how many bears you actually saw, um, not just the ones that were at the bait barrel or whatever. If you're driving down the trail and you see a bear, you have to let them know about it so that they can make the report to whatever the... Whatever the, agency. Whatever. Yeah, the DNR, Canadian, whatever. Um, and that's how they kind of keep track of the bears that they have up there did you have to do anything special right after you shot it like i know in some states out west like when you, when you harvest something you have to leave uh uh some identity of sex like a like leave a nut no um, do you have to do anything like that no i just told the outfitter you know i told him it was a it was a smaller female bear i told him it was probably a year old you know i gave him the size um the length basically uh, and he said okay that's all he needed uh, so that was it. If you do give them the tooth, they send it off to whatever uh, agency checks out the tooth. And then like a couple months later, you'll get a, a letter in the mail telling you all the information about the bear that you killed. And it'll say, you know, this is what we learned from the tooth that you gave us. Basically, it's just their way of following up with you to give right. you, you know, information about your kill and sort of encourage you to come back and do it again. Um, I think at the time... I might still have it with me. I think it was like 350 bucks for a bear tag. Really? There. Yeah, it was pretty salty. That's pretty expensive. Well, you, shit, it's like 800 I think, in Montana for an out-of-state elk tag. Yeah, you can't hardly read it now. That was my... Yeah, that's pretty worn out. Yeah. It's cool, though. Check that out. Yeah, well, because we, we, we were talking yesterday about... Because I've never been black bear hunting. Ray's never been. Right. Uh, I know a bunch of people that do it. They usually go to the UP, the ones I know. Right. And it, and it seems like if you're going to do it up there, it's almost impossible to do it without somebody baiting for you for a couple months or a couple weeks ahead of time. Or unless you're going to get out there and, like, we, we talked before about how they run bear with dogs. You can hire an outfitter to, to hook you up with some dogs and run out. But, um, I... I, my what 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 the kind of bear hunting I want to do would be more like a spot and stock, you know. Right, and that the you, thing need, you need wide open space for that. And it's so <laughs> thick up in the U, in the UP, you can't. You, yeah, the bears are the masters of their domain. Um, <clears throat> they can move through that thick stuff a lot better than you or I could. And the nature of a bear, in my experience, is is that they get up, they go find food. And then they get some water or something, they go back to, you know, bed. They don't do a lot of um, exploring around. Most of what they're doing is either hunting for food, looking for water, or going to sleep. Right, so, right. Yeah, and up there, it's so, you know, if you're hunting them in the spring, there's right. leaves on the trees, it's, it's almost impossible to see. Right. And um, then, um, you know, and then in the upper lower peninsula, there's, there's a decent bear population, but the tags aren't nearly as easy to get as they are in the UP. There's a, a point system for that, right? Yep. Every yep. year you, you buy into, uh, you get a point for like, what was it 10 bucks, 15 bucks or something? 
uh, I think it's like five bucks to apply or ten bucks to apply for the license for, right. to go in the drawing, and then if you don't draw a tag, you can you it'll you, roll over, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yep. You earn a bonus <laughs> point, and if you do it again next year and don't get it, you'll get another bonus point, right? Because I think every year. My grandpa buys a point for his license. I've been buying bear points for a while just to have them, you know, just in case I ever decide to go bear hunting. If I got eight or nine points, I'm guaranteed to get a tag, you know, and I won't have to worry about it. So, plus it's it's money that goes to the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. Which yeah, and it's, 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 it's a good kind us. of fair way to do it because even when yeah. you earn points, is it, what's the word, exponentially where it, like, doubles? Like, they, like, the second year you go in, you get three bonus points like you get i'm not sure uh, how that works or maybe it's just one every time i don't remember but it, it seemed like after a while you start to earn more than one point when you apply or something like that huh but yeah but it, it's a pretty fair way to do it yeah no it makes sense it it really allows the guys that are genuinely interested in it to invest some time and some money into getting ready you know you don't buy a bear point and then just decide to go bear hunting on a weekend you know it's something you generally plan for so you know, it, it gives you, I guess, a, a goal when you start buying your bear points that you, you know that eventually you'll go on a bear hunt. So you want to start preparing yourself for the bear hunt by getting whatever gun you're going to shoot sighted in, mm-hmm. you know, get, get your camouflage in order. Your donuts out of the garbage. Well, <laughs> yeah, if you're doing the donuts like we did, which right. I don't think he's even done that since then. I think that was the one time he learned his lesson and... <laughs> He doesn't mess with uh, picking up nasty donuts anymore. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the nature of bear hunting, though. Like, if you don't bait them, if you don't get them coming into bait consistently, they're really hard to find. They're really hard to figure out, and they're really fast, really smart. Um, they don't see great, but they hear and they smell amazingly. So, yeah, deer the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i just i want to i want to start looking into that a little bit more you know i want to start maybe planning a trip one of these years take take the kids like on their senior year or something let right. them take some time off school in september and you know what would be great out west if, if we got together and, and went up there and did that sometime you know i think it was like two thousand dollars um that's that's truck gas food yeah tags everything you know oh, yeah so yeah, because, you know, I, I was saying earlier about how I like to, what I want to do is the spot and stalk style. Yeah, yep. You know, what we can do with that is turkey down here. I mean, all these, what, oak savannas, you want to call them? All these rolling hills and wide open yeah, space like yeah. out by uh, where we hunt off of, uh, on the, what it would be, the west side <clears throat> of Buchanan. Um, okay. Yeah, dude, that, that, that's, that seems like a lot of fun. Last year, I didn't get to go out but like two times for turkey. You're going to be one of those guys with the big turkey fan out there hiding behind I, you know, it, I don't know. creeping up. Just the calling <laughs> aspect is what really turns me on about it. Yeah. Because you know? that's one of my favorite parts about hunting whitetail is getting in the tree stand and Actually, hitting the call, doing, doing, doing the rattling right. sequence and working them. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. And, and that that's what really <clears throat> has turned me on about the turkey hunt, but I don't know how to do it well yet. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still like learning as I go, you know. But – um. Yeah, that I'm really looking forward to that this year. I forgot to apply for my damn license because I I thought oh, you yeah. had till March first to put in you know the five bucks or whatever. Um, so I'm late on that. But like last year, there was plenty of leftover licenses. So right. Um, but last year I screwed up too because there's three seasons. There's a 
April, like like last year, it was like April seventeenth to twenty third, yep. and then April twenty fourth to the end of the month, and then the whole month of May. Right. Well, I did the whole month of May. So I'm like, well, shit. I'm yeah, thinking get... you'd have more time. Right. Right. And it turns out it didn't. <laughs> Still only made it out twice. But it, you know, it's like the rut. You know, it's right. hot for about two weeks. Those birds are making all kinds of noise, and they're just running rampant and when they set those dates for the season they don't have any idea you know what environmental factor is going to be taking into effect you know what controls the rut for a turkey it might be hot the first week it might be hot the last week of may you don't Mm -hmm. know so you took a chance in the biggest window that you were provided and still you know and i'll tell you it felt weird oh man it felt weird like it being out in camo with a bow in the spring just yeah. didn't feel right. Right. It felt like I was definitely doing something wrong. But um, but after a while, you kind of get past that. Um, and I just yeah, it's just hunting in a different season. It'd be like uh, like going down to Florida in the middle of December and going fishing. You know, it just it wouldn't feel right because it's it's damn near Christmas time and I'm standing yeah. here in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. It was just fishing. Well, I was on the ground and I, uh, you know, I was hitting the call for a while and nothing was coming in. So I just kind of sat there. It was zoning. I think I was reading a book actually. And I glanced up and uh, had a little buck bucking in. All right. Grab my bow. Kind of, I was, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. Different season. Right. Yeah. But it, it just, it just the whole thing just <clears> felt <throat> kind of foreign, but I'm really looking forward to it this year, you know, cause I definitely screwed up on the season choice. Cause I remember I was fishing on Singer Lake. Yeah. Um, just trying to get some gills. And, you know, that kind of, if anybody listening to this is familiar with that lake, it kind of sits in a big bowl. You know, there's just hills all the way around you, and I could hear them turkeys out there gobbling. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was it was really peaceful and cool, but at the same time, it pissed me off because I'm like, well. Frustrated. Shit. Like, that's when it kind of hit me. Like, I am definitely going <laughs> to. Going to have to go miss, turkey hunting. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to miss when it's hot, you know. Because, uh-huh. you know, <clears throat> every day I was getting on face plant, and there was, was, you know, everybody's holding up their turkeys. Right. And then, you know, you see you see less and less and less as April goes on. And then by the time the May season hits, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, they're done. And Good. it's hot. Yeah. You know, the, and that's when the ticks are on full blast. Oh, so. yeah. But it did give me an opportunity to start looking for some morels, though, that, you know. That's a, a double duty there. You know, go out turkey hunting and see if you can find some morels. That's not that's, a bad that's plan. That's just around the corner, ladies That's right, yeah. Probably about the time this drops, everybody should be out looking for those. Mushroom season is fast approaching. This year, man, is flying by. I can't Isn't believe it? it's March already. Already, yeah. I remember just crazy. yesterday it was Christmas, and now my work's firing up full time. There's more cars on the road. People are going out, doing things. Uh, industry's picking up, man. Another year is is starting to crank up, and which means we're that much more closer to the fall. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Every day that goes by is one day closer to deer season. Or- Hell yeah, I'm, I plan on doing a lot more fishing this year, you know, because me and Ray, our kids are in travel ball. We say that every year, but right. every year we just end up getting <laughs> so busy. I know there's a lot of people listening to this probably have the same issue, you know, because um, we used to fish a lot. Yeah, I did too when I was like in high school and I had more time to do nothing or to do everything. Um, <laughs> we talked about that yesterday. Being an adult was a lot cooler sounding when you were a kid. You know, when I yeah. grow up, I'm going to get to do Whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, as soon as I get done going to work and paying the bills right. and making dinner for myself and, you know, taking care of the kids and 
well, shit, let's go out and have a good time. I got 30 minutes and five bucks, you know? Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> we take what we can get now, but... That, uh, but yeah, but it's... it's uh, now, don't get me wrong. We both love watching our boys play. Oh, absolutely. And Chloe and, and Stella in and, and volleyball and yeah, softball. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I love it, but even you know, when they were younger, travel ball wasn't a thing. Right. Yet, so it was a lot easier to find time for that. Now it's like every single weekend we got something going on. And that makes the time that you get out that Especially much more special. Summer. Yeah, you know, exactly. You exactly. appreciate it a lot more when you don't get to do it as often. Not saying I wouldn't like to do it a whole lot more often, but. Well, that's the thing. You know, I, Singer Lake is one of my favorite lakes to go on just for yeah. the fact that it's, so, it's small. So there's not a lot of boats out there on a Saturday ripping right. and romping and causing <clears throat> all kinds of hell. Yep. It's nice and quiet. It's peaceful. And you can go out there and rip lips all, all evening on bills, you know. There's plenty of bass out there, yeah. and they actually stock that with trout, so I've heard. Huh. Rainbows, yep. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty damn deep in the middle of that lake, too. It would have to be. Um, where is Singer Lake? Is that up? Out by Baroda. Okay. Yeah, if you're going uh, Shawnee and then take a right on, uh, I think it's, shit, there's there's a little road right there by the vet clinic. Take a right, and then... and, and then <laughs> Way out there. Yeah, it's, it's out there. Right? Yeah. So... But yeah, I'm definitely planning on doing a little bit more of that. And another thing I want to do is definitely get out on the big lake. Um, yeah, um, I know every year for the last couple of years on the 4th of July, my, my buddy Jason um, takes us out on his boat. We always go out, Tiffany and I and, and his significant other, um, and spend the day trolling for lake trout, king salmon. When we say the big head. lake, we're talking Lake Michigan. That's right. The big lake. The big sea and, and the little... Uh, Little Michigan here. Right, yeah. Eric Fisher, who's we recorded a couple episodes at his house. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He used to have a boat, and he used to do that all the time, and he got rid of it, and he keeps saying, he's like, God damn it, I'm going to get another one, <laughs> and we're going to go one. in the summer. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, man, just give me a couple of days notice, and we'll, we'll hit it up. I'm I'm really looking forward to that, because some of the best eaten fish comes out of the big lake. There's, it, it can go one way or the other out there, usually. Either it's dead, and you troll for hours and hours and hours, and you don't do anything but drink beer. <laughs> and, and eat chips and, and wish that the bite was on or when the bite's on it's you know it's so hectic you're trying to dodge waves you're trying to dodge other boats you're trying to fight one two three sometimes four fish at a time and it perch fishing yeah or no, you're, even you're talking trolling, yeah, yeah. You're talking um, trolling, yeah but even perch fishing though because you, you can have it rigged up to be <clears> pulling two at a time oh yeah yeah perch fishing's a lot of fun too um it's got to be pretty still for that, though. Yeah, right? it's it's a lot e- better when it's flat. Um, trolling, it can be as rough as you want to be out in, given right. the conditions and the boat that you got. So um, I know we've trolled in like four to five footers before. That's not a fun time, man. That's, <laughs> that is not fun at all. Pucker um, up your butthole a little bit? It, yeah, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely we need to get out and do that. This summer. Fucking A. Maybe take some videos while we're out there and put them to the page. and Yeah, and see if we can get more people interested in doing that because that's... Well, one of the easiest things you can do uh, related to the Big Lake is head to the mouth of the river right there. Um, yeah. And cast out in the, and, yep. I mean, that, that's a good spot to catch all kinds of shit. Yeah, up in New Buffalo. Um, when we were 15 or 16 years old, a group of us was fishing up there at the mouth of the river there where it flows into the lake. And... Uh, it was my buddy Jason, uh, my friend Brian, and I, and uh, the three of us were fishing. It was cold. I think it was it was later in the season. I don't think it was snowing, but it was cold enough that it could have. Um, we're all in high school, whatever, just killing some time up there. And there happened to be an ambulance that came up and parked in the parking lot there, 
and was watching us fish or, or tend to our lines, um, my friend Brian got a bite, set the hook on a fish, lost it immediately. Re-rigged whatever, put his line back out. I was fishing right to the left side of him. Um, I get a bite, I hook the fish, I bring it in. It's like a 10-pound brown trout. It's just a football. I mean, this thing is beautiful. And in the corner of its mouth is my buddy's hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where he didn't tie a good knot. When he set the hook, the knot came untied. So I gave him his hook back. And then the people in the ambulance actually got on their loudspeaker and said, hold it up for us. We want to see it. So I got to kind of rub it in his face a little bit and hold up this nice brown trout cool. to these yeah, ambulance people. And uh, that, that was a tasty fish, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah took awesome. him home. Threw them in some tin foil with some uh, onions and butter, and yeah, grilled them. Butter Crisco. <laughs> if uh, in a pinch, yes. <laughs> right. So, did you ever get in the fly fishing? I fly fished one time. Um, it's another fun story. I was fishing with my friend Jason. Um, it was like 2006 or 2007. Um, there was a collegiate fishing tournament. Um, that was put on by a couple guys at Michigan State, but it involved people from Kalamazoo, from Western, up to Central. It was like the whole, pretty much the center of Michigan um, was in this collegiate steelhead tournament. And it was up in Baldwin, but you had your choice. You know, you could fish anywhere in Baldwin. You know, it would start at like noon on a Saturday, and then by like 7 o'clock that night, you had to report back to the Pier Marquette Lodge. Um, Back, I think it's still the Pier Marquette Lodge there. But they had an Orvis fly shop too. On a fluke, I went with them. Um, <laughs> oh, so I was seeing a grill at the time that was in Ann Arbor. So mm-hmm. I drove from East Lansing to Ann Arbor to spend Friday night with her. Got up on Friday night or Friday morning. Um, yeah, Friday night we went to a Reliant K and MXPX concert in Detroit. So it was a crazy weekend. Um, Sounds like it. Drove to Ann Arbor, up to Detroit, back to Ann Arbor, and then got up the next day and drove over to Baldwin um, in my 2002 Ford Focus. <laughs> uh, we were the meeting spot for this, the first night, the inaugural night, a bunch of college kids. We're meeting out in the woods, you know, off this back road, down this trail. So I got the, the Ford Focus just basically four-wheeling down this trail and uh rains like a son of a bitch gets cold when i got there it was 50 degrees and nice um by the time dark set in we had a fire going it was down to like 35 and it just started downpouring everything got soaked everybody was miserable nobody had any drinking or you know it was basically shut the whole party down so we got up the next day and it was cold it was snowing we get going on this fishing tournament. We go to the Tippy Dam, and it's it's my friend Jason and I, a bunch of other dudes fishing there, and we're fishing right off the coffer on the Tippy Dam, and uh, I mean it's miserable, man. It's cold. It's snowing. It's the middle of winter. I'm standing there in waders I had just bought the week before from Walmart for like forty bucks, freezing my ass off. Um, I get a bite, hook the fish. I'm standing on a rock. Right. If you ever been to the Tippy Dam, mm-hmm. yep. the guys that fish right there off the coffer, they're standing on rocks there that are covered in algae. So I, I hooked this fish and I'm excited. I'm fighting it. And all of a sudden I slip and I'm underwater. And <laughs> oh, shit. yeah, I'm freaking out. Everybody's watching me. 
you know, I'm the guy that's got the fish on where everybody else is fishing. So I go underwater and I've got the rod straight up in the air and I'm fighting this thing and I get back up and I'm freezing cold and I get it in and it's like 29 and a half inches. It's a, it's a nice steelhead. Um, throw it on the rope and head right up the hill to the truck because I am soaking wet, freezing cold. Just, I thought it was bad before it got a lot worse. So we get back to the, the lodge and uh, they're measuring the fish, whatever. There was a 29-inch fish, I believe, that got measured right before mine, and I was freaking out. I didn't know how long my fish was, and they threw mine down. I said, oh, yeah, that one, you know, that's mine, whatever, 29 and a half inches. So I won the tournament. The prize was um, a guided fishing trip on the Pier Marquette River with any one of the guides from the Pier Marquette Lodge anytime I wanted to. Um, Ended up cashing that in sometime around the mid-fall. Um, my buddy Jason and I went up there, spent the night in the lodge, got up the next day on a Saturday, and got a guided fishing trip from the, the Pier Marquette um, all the way down to wherever we got out at. But <clears throat> um, it was awesome. That's the only time I ever fly fished. That's a hell of a backstory to oh, get shit. back to <laughs> the fly fishing point. Um and I was awful at it. I was really bad. <laughs> so I, I enjoy fly fishing. My, my brother and I got into it years ago. I was uh, 13 or 14. And uh, my brother Bobby got into it. So right. um, I was actually working with him uh, during the summer at that time. So, of course, <clears throat> I got me a fly fishing pole. And uh, we started Have fly fishing on our, on our lunch breaks. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, uh, That's cool. Yeah. He taught me how to do it with uh, a phone book. He put a phone book underneath my arm, uh-huh. my armpit there. He said, "Don't drop it, and keep keep your forearm straight right. when you're casting." And just and he put that book underneath my arm and said, "Don't drop it." And it it only took me about an hour, and I was huh. pretty decent enough where I could go out. I could I could cast it fine. Um, I don't know, maybe I didn't have the right polarized sunglasses on or something. <laughs> I couldn't tell what, where my fly hit the water what it was doing right like the guy next to me kept telling me what to do he's like okay strip now strip now and i'm <laughs> okay i don't know what i'm doing sure you, by stripping right. means pull the line to get it tight. yeah yeah strip the, the line same as like reeling it in because you don't really use a reel on your flight you, you pull a bunch of line out right a bunch of slack yep and then then you, you pull it back let it load and then put it forward let out a little line pinch it pull it back yeah the fly fishing is basically like you're taking, not just whipping it back and forth <laughs> <laughs> Like my hair. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, fly fishing is like a, a controlled, um, what, what do you want to cut? Like a, just a, basically a rope that you're trying to pinpoint. Yeah, because the fly line, um, it, like I had tapered fly line. It was heavy. It, the real thick line you see isn't what you fish with, obviously. Right. That, that's to help you cast. So right. mine was tapered, which meant it was heavier on the end um, that you tied the actual fishing line to to give you some weight to help right. that load in the rod um, so you can cast out a little farther. And um, there's a bunch of other ways to cast. You can do what they call a roll cast where yeah. it's already on the water and you just kind of flick your wrist. And yeah, there's all sorts of all like kinds of fancy arm. shit. People that fly fish are like people that bow hunt. Just, I think fly fishing is a little more intricate. It's a little more... You feel everything. That's why I like it. Yeah, you got a yeah, re- you got a really long rod. And you have that string between your fingers, so every little movement that fish makes you feel. Right. That's why I loved it, and it's and it's like you're right. It is comparable to bow hunting. It's like 
it's like hunting of the fishing world, you know? Yeah, it's it's like because you're because flies, you're using a tiny fucking hook. It's you're not using a, a what, like a number six or a number yeah, four. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's tiny. all sorts of different flies. There's floaters, there's sinkers, there's streamers, there's nymphs. mouses. Yeah, nymphs, all sorts of different stuff. And the idea is that you you're taking this incredibly small hook and having like pinpoint accuracy with where you want to throw it. Guys that are really good at fly fishing, you know usually have like the glasses they can see in the water they know where the fish are that they want to get to and you have to make just the right cast at just the right time with just the right presentation uh, the the current of the water the depth of the water the depth of the fish the the weight of your fly the weight of your line the weight of your leader because you don't tie the fly line right to the hook on the fly you actually have like a long leader yep. that you use out of monofilament or yep mm-hmm um so it's it's a much more involved process to be a successful fly fisherman like anybody can pick up a Bassmaster, you know a a zebco 44 reel push the button whip it out there and you know or a spinning rod Mm -hmm. easy to use nothing wrong with it but fly fishing is a lot more and you'll notice with i've noticed with fly fishing guys anyway um you know those little uh it's a bobber. It's a fucking bobber. It's it's a it's a thing you you, you wrap around your line, and but they always strike indicator. That's okay. what they always yeah, call it, yeah, a strike yeah. indicator. Right. They refuse to call it a bobber. <laughs> it's like it doesn't well, make you less cool, dude. Because a, a bobber, no bobber. man, a bobber is what your four year old uses on the end of their Mickey Mouse reel they got exactly. from Walmart. So it's, exactly, <laughs> it's it's like you're not less cool because you're right. using a bobber, yeah. dude. A strike indicator. <laughs> right. I just think that's hilarious. Like, because when me and Bobby were fishing in Colorado, we were on vacation. I was still in high school, and uh, this cabin we were staying at at the bottom of the cabin, they had three stocked trout ponds. Awesome. Right. And I, that was actually right when we were in the middle of our little uh, fly fishing adventures. Right. Yeah. So, right. Uh, we brought them with, and we the went craze. down there, and we bought these quote strike indicators <laughs> and it's like we said the word bobber in the tackle shop and everybody's like what yeah Are you- how dare you <laughs> right. get out get out now fuck out of here <laughs> we don't you guys aren't from around here are you <laughs> but yeah no it's a lot of fun i actually have a, an old fly rod i haven't busted that thing out in years but i, I want to get on that more this year um definitely yeah the one time i did it it was fun i actually my my friend jason caught i think he caught one or two steelhead right towards the end of the trip he was a lot better at it than I was, um, and he, he seemed to pick up on it a lot better than I did. Towards the end of the trip, I actually did hook a nice female. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt it, but when, even hooking them is a bitch. Because, no, man. Because, it's, because of them small hooks, like we said, that's what makes so it It's so much different. Because like, trout throw. They throw yeah, their heads back and forth. Right. When, when you... It's weird. Like You don't set the hook necessarily. You have to let them take it and then just raise the rod up. Mm-hmm. Sort of to let the line come taut and just let the line coming taut is what's supposed to set the hook. I'm used to like bass fishing or cat mm-hmm. fishing where you feel the Snapping thump. It. Yeah, you know, you reel down on it, you feel them eating it, you make sure they got it in their mouth, and then you reef back on that son of a bitch just to bury it as deep as you can. Right. And this is not the way that you fly fish. Are there barbs on fly hooks? I just thought about that. I, I believe there are. Um, Maybe not on all of them, I'm sure, but I just know the man. They throw the hook all the time. That's because the hook is so small. Right, you right. have such a, a a limited area to actually get that hook into. But that's what makes it so exciting. Like exactly, fly fishing, yeah. Is when you're, when you're bringing in that rainbow and he's coming up out of the water, flopping, throwing right. his head, and then oh, you yeah. lose it, you're still like, that was fucking cool. Yeah, well, it's cool. Like even on the big lake, when you hook a steelhead, you'll you'll be watching. Which is a rainbow trout, right? Right, correct. <clears throat> a rainbow trout 
is a steelhead, but a, yes, and a steelhead is rainbow trout, but a rainbow trout is not necessarily a steelhead. Um, maybe, 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 maybe I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Skamania. Never mind. Skamania are are a, a, a version of the rainbow trout that come in in the summertime into like the, the cool water creeks in our area when the river water gets really hot. The Skamania come into the creeks that have the cold fresh water coming out of them, and they stack up. And that is a completely different topic for another time. Oh yeah, we'll summer steelhead fishing. Um, but a, a steelhead doesn't necessarily have to be a Skamania, but every Skamania is going to be a steelhead, if that makes sense. It's gotcha. not every steelhead that, that reacts the way that they do. But when you hook one in the summertime, you want to talk about fish dancing, yeah. fish jumping, man. You hook a steelhead in the cold water where they're fresh full of energy and that thing gets out in the river in the hot water and just leaps bounds backflips this the whole everything it's a trip, dude. yeah it's a trip i mean it's even, awesome fly fishing even catching panfish sunfish bluegill bluegill crappie that, that's that's a fucking blast i think pound for pound bluegill are probably the best fighting fish in the water they're fighting with their whole i mean yeah every fish fights with its whole body i guess but i mean just the way they're shaped it just seems like they have that power yeah. to you ever hook like a, a pound and a half bluegill or a two pound oh, yeah. bluegill? Man, that's, yeah, that's that really is nasty. awesome. <laughs> and uh, if a bluegill ever got to be like 10 or 15 pounds, there'd be people chasing them. There'd be TV shows about it. There'd be just, it would be so ridiculous. It'd be much... just as big as the bass craze. Yeah, yeah. Or so we, we got a mutual friend. Uh, uh, Rick Morrison. Yeah, yeah, he bass, he's sponsored. Awesome. Um, yeah, my dad had a friend. In, in this town, actually, Sean Rigglesworth. He was a bass fisherman for a while. Uh, I think he had a sponsorship for a couple of years. Now, that's usually <coughs> just largemouth, right? Not, yeah. No smallmouth, yeah. just right. largemouth tournaments. Smallmouths are fun to catch, man. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite memories growing up, when I was like 15, we'd go up to Mottville. Um, they got the river that runs through Mottville there, and you'd park right at the bridge, wear swimming trunks, and get in with like a a seven and a half foot bass rod and we'd fish uh leadhead jigs with a, like a watermelon um like a squid skirt sort of beer please um and you just wade up and down the river catching smallmouth all day long man yeah and it's so much fun smallmouth bass are hey, you want to talk about the difference between a smallmouth and a large mouth other than the size of their mouth <laughs> yeah dude smallmouth prefer like uh I, more of a, a moving water scenario i think mm-hmm. they can survive in ponds but they they really thrive in rivers and they have the, the the pattern on them is different too yeah um besides just the fact that a smallmouth has a smaller mouth than a large mouth the coloration is a little bit darker where like a, a large mouth will be black green um striped vertically mm-hmm. striped down the side a, a smallmouth will be more of a, a golden, sort of a greenish bronze color to it. Now, I just thought about this because you, you just said, you know, they, they smallmouths prefer currents, like, right. like rivers. Right. I wonder if that's got a lot to do with the camouflage. And it's that could be, be you know, yeah. Because they are, they are predators under there. Especially up in Mott, They'll though, eat other fish. When we were fishing up there, you'd be wading through, like, waist deep water, three, three and a half, four foot deep, and you'd be fishing into, like, stands of really thick really wavy um river grass i don't whatever it was the weeds whatever but there'd be just pockets of weeds on the shallower spots where the weeds would grow and that's where the smallmouth would hide you know it it would make sense i guess to have that different coloration 
Well, well, I mean, what I mean by that too is, you know, uh, like a lake, the waters, I would guess, would be a lot clearer than it would be in a river with a current, right, where it's, right. it's stirring up all that sediment on the bottom. Yeah. Hence the darker coloration. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It just it no, makes, it makes sense. Makes sense. You know, yeah. Just I, while I was listening to you talk about that, I agree with you. It's yeah, stands to reason. Yeah, we definitely need to make sure we get out there this summer and because. Uh, what we need to start doing is when our kids have these tournaments is try to you know maybe get it get out ahead of the the, the gate there and look for spots we could go fishing down there there's oh, i say down there because a lot of these tournaments are in indiana so we would take an out-of-state fishing license which right. really isn't that expensive i think it's like 35 dollars. yeah it's, it's worth it bad. it's worth it if you're going to spend some time down there if you fish more than once or twice um it doesn't take very much water to hold fish you know if you're going to these tournaments in whatever town there might be a creek Somewhere that you could you could set up on and you know drift a, a number seven hook with a hunk of red worm on it and some split shot and see what you can catch you know I just remember last year we went uh, we had a situation like that we had a tournament down by Warsaw yeah so we we got a we got a campsite and we were planning on fishing um, doing you know just some basic bluegill fishing while we're down there in between tournaments right right well the fucking campground we were staying at was off of Pike Lake Pike Lake yeah. So if there's pike in the fucking lake, <laughs> that's all there's going to be in the lake. So. Right. Yeah. Um, bluegill fishing didn't work out so well. Um, dumbass. I, can't, I remember. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but yeah, we definitely need to try to do that this year. Try to try to plan ahead a little bit better. Making more time to do more fishing, to do more hunting, to be outdoors more is never a bad idea. And that goes for you fuckers, too. Get your kids up, man. Get them yeah. off the couch. Get out there. Look for some sheds. It's the, we- the weather's perfect right now you get yeah. out there before the ticks and the leaves and shed hunting right now is hot um yeah get out there where there's no flies there's no mosquitoes there's no bees you gotta got beat the squirrels to them right squirrels will take them up oh, and man. chew it's... on them for the calcium squirrels are hot right now between the squirrels and the mice if you find a shed you're actually really lucky um they're not that common but they're a lot of fun to look for it's a good exercise. It's a good excuse to get out of the house. Which is weird they're so uncommon, goddammit, because you think of how many deer there are out there. Right. Yeah, because I know I haven't killed a lot of bucks. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you think that there should be everywhere, but those squirrels get on them, dude. Yeah, yeah, they don't, uh, they usually don't stay on the ground long. Between squirrels, coyotes will pick them up just to chew on them. You know, my yeah. dogs love chewing on antlers. Porsche pines. Yeah, you know, up north, porcupines are <coughs> rough on things, so. Yep, well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. All right, boys and girls, that is it. Join us in two weeks for episode nine, where you not only get to hear how our turkey season went, you will also get to hear from Chuck Gooding, who is a turkey nut. The dude is three quarters of the way to his grand slam. Well, he was when he sat down and talked to us. He was heading out to Wyoming the next morning at 6 a.m. to go hunt Miriam's on uh, Devil's Tower. So... That was a great interview. I think you guys are going to love that. Um, in the meantime, look us up at Twitter at RFF Podcast, on Facebook at Raxfur and Feathers, not N like the podcast. Uh, shoot us an email, Feathers at gmail.com. Um, yeah, any of you guys got recipes, stories, whatever, throw it at us. All editing done by Kyle Palmotter. And music and artwork done by Shane Yoda from PutThemInASong.com, who also has his own podcast now, The Hood Note. So definitely check that out. And hopefully you guys are having a great time in the woods doing whatever you're doing, hunting mushrooms, hunting uh, uh, sheds, turkeys, whatever you're doing. Hopefully you guys are having a great time. Get the kids out there, and we'll talk to you next time. 